Last week I started off with pretty much the same statement. The statement was, respond to the following statement. Now that part is the part that I started off with last week, but it's not the same statement afterwards. Respond to the following statement. The Bible tells us that husbands and wives are to become one flesh, but this command is largely ignored. Is that actually true or false? When a husband and a wife get married, there's to become one flesh. And it's supposed to, it's more than sexual. I'm going to have to say that. There is a uniting of the husband and a wife that needs to go on. And there are three parts of uniting. One is physically. Physically, obviously, you know about. And then soulfully. Soulfully is with your, your mind and your will and your emotions that are involved in, the, in that. And then spiritually. I believe personally, I believe personally that Christian wives would love to have that kind of relationship with their husbands. That they were, not only physically they were put together, but they are emotionally and soulfully, I said, put together and spiritually put together. Uh, and, but, and, and while I see a lot of men, a lot of husbands, they're on board with the first two they don't know what to do with the third one that really is the truth and I think that what we do so often is we criticize men we criticize men and say you ought to do this you ought to do this you ought to do this and and you know what they're saying do what I don't know what to do you're talking to me about something that I don't know what to do and and wives I want to tell you this no matter how much you want him to do this, and, you, and maybe you want to try to cause him to act this way, if he doesn't understand what he needs to do, he's not going to be able to do it. Just telling him to do it won't do it. So he's willing to be physically united. And he's also willing to say, I love you and I understand what you're saying right now. I'm with you on this sometimes. He'll actually say these things. But when it comes to the spiritual nature of things, he doesn't have any idea what you're talking about. He doesn't have a clue. You know, and, that, and this may be because this may be in his history. Maybe his dad didn't do that. And understand, dads are giving the example to the men on how they're going to be able to do this. And his dad didn't do it. You know, and I would say this, but you know, maybe he was a dad that, you know, he would, he would, you know, he'd get the kids together and go to church and do that sort of thing. But when it came to spiritually speaking, he always sat back and didn't say anything. And so I pretty much, I'd have to say wives are letting their husbands, or uh, husbands are letting their wives do all the spiritual leading in the home. So where do the husbands start? Well, it starts right here. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Just one verse for the men, six for the women, wasn't it? It says, likewise, husband, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the, of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. See, it looks here, it says, the first responsibility of the Christian husband is to see for the spiritual welfare of his wife. The spiritual welfare. Understand that. You see, uh, the word likewise uh, in the Greek, it really means in the same manner. And most commentators say, well, where are you likewise to? And they go back to chapter 2, verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 17 is talking about having a good Christian testimony. And while I would have to say that if if a man and his wife are living in harmony with each other, they were probably going to have a pretty good testimony. But I don't believe that that's what it's talking about. 
I don't believe it's talking about a testimony. You see, I would think that it would make more sense that it's talking about the verses that are right in front of it when you say likewise. And I believe that in verses 1 through 6, the wife was seeking to win her husband to the Lord. But the husband, as I mentioned last week, the wife was supposed to follow the religion of her husband. And if she didn't, she was considered unfaithful. So in this case, if the husband became a Christian, she was expected to become a Christian as well. You understand? So this would not have been the problem here. It means that the, in this case, that the husband is now concerned about not as her, so much of her becoming a Christian, because that would have been expected, but that she would grow as a Christian. And so he's concerned about her spiritual welfare, just as the wife was concerned about her husband's spiritual welfare. Now, I want to say this to you guys. This is more than simply saying, I'll agree to go to church with you. See, that's what some men think. That's it. I'll agree to go to church with you. See, if you are going to let her be doing that, in other words, if you're going to, she's going to drag you to church like she drags the children to church. You're just one of the children. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? You need to step up in this. And so the, the Christian husband needs to be an example. If he's going to be in the leadership at all, he needs to be an example of the faith that his wife can walk along with him in. Needs to be that sort of individual. And so what would cause the Christian husband to do so? Well, I can tell you that what is going against him right now, he's living under worldly expectations. You see, there's such a drive within us that causes us to comply with others that we, we have to make a conscious effort to act differently than the rest of the world. You go to work every day, you see your neighbors every day, you see the people that you shop with or whatever you see every day. And if they're not believers or they're not strong believers, you have a better chance of walking along with them than taking the lead. It's very natural for every one of us. You see, I think that most of us comply except for two reasons. One is, is that you want to revolt and prove that you're, uh, that you're really in charge. In other words, I'm going to be so different that I'm going to show you that I'm, I don't have anybody telling me what to do, that sort of thing. Or the other side of it is, is that you have a strong, a deep conviction, a deep conviction to live in a different way. And so when... The Christian husband actually is out with the other men, and the other men are acting like what they're like other men do in the world. They participate in the filthy language and the dirty jokes, and they appear just like those who do not know the Lord. And so when they come home, they don't know that they should be acting a whole lot different because they haven't been acting different when they were out there. You know, there's two people that every person marries. Let me tell you the two people. One is the person you dated. I want to tell you what, you date one person and that's, you think that's the person you married, but it is not. You know what the other person is? The one that is relaxed with you. They're so relaxed, they can act just like what they really are. You understand what I'm saying? They act just like they really are. So you date one of them and you marry the other one, right? That's what really happens to you. And so... Unfortunately, when you are in that relaxed state, you reveal exactly who you really are. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that is acting within the Spirit's leading, you will not walk like the rest of the world. That is not something that's going to come natural to you. 
It's not going to come natural to anybody. See, so husbands must walk in the Spirit to help their wives do the very same thing. They must walk in the Spirit in the same way that they should uh, as the Spirit is leading them in. But most husbands, you know, I'm going to tell you this. Most husbands would be appalled to hear that another man, you know, maybe somebody they know, was laying around all day and he didn't work in order to provide for his family. In other words, family is doing without because he's just not, he's just laying around all day. He's not doing anything, you know. And yet, for some reason, that men are quite willing to say, you know what? I'm not going to provide for my family in the spiritual department. I'm going to do, I'm going to work, I'm going to give them money, I'm going to give them a place to live, I'm going to do that sort of thing. And I'm going to try to hug them and I'm going to try to love them, but when it comes down to the spiritual issues, I'm going to just let them starve. I'm just going to let them starve. And when they hear those words, they probably say, you know what, I don't want to be like this anymore. So it says here that the Christian husband must live with his wife in an understanding way. If you're going to lead her, you also have to understand her. I'm going to say something to you that might shock some of you. Men and women are different. I'm not going to go into all the details, okay? But they're different. Take my word for it. And husbands commonly say to me, I don't understand my wife. You know what they're really saying? I don't understand women. Well, who does? I mean, I'm just going to say that to them. This is true. But that word translated understanding means to know. And let me tell you something about knowing. Knowing means you got to learn. You understand what I'm saying? You don't instantly come into a relationship with another person and you suddenly say, I really understand them because you don't know them yet. And you have to get to know them. And it means more than knowing her superficially. There's no deal here. It says, you know, it doesn't say here, husbands or men, you need to understand women. That's not in the scripture. You understand that. It's not there. What it says, it says for you to live with your wives in an understanding way. I know that a lot of husbands, I've heard this many, many times, they just shrug their shoulders and go along with whatever their wives want. In fact, they tell me the last two words they always have with their wife is, yes, dear. That's what they say to me over and over and over again. Yes, dear. And they really don't have a clue what you wives, what you women want. Let me give you an example for men. I've, had, I've used this illustration before, so some of you men are going to know the answer to this. <clears throat> you know that women speak more than men, generally. They generally spend... <laughs> the statistics are, I don't know if they're true, but I can tell you what the statistics are, that women spend, uh, uh, speak about 15,000 words a day more than a man. That's a lot of words, isn't it? <clears throat> well, when a man gets home from work, He's already used his 10,000 words that he has, 15,000 more for her. And so when he gets home, what does she do? She talks to him. And she talks to him. And she talks to him. And what he wants to do is go in and watch the news or he wants to see what the scores are on the, on the you know, what's going on, you know, with the with with football or basketball or whatever he watches. He wants to see those kinds of things and she's talking to him. And he's wondering, why doesn't she just leave me alone for a few minutes so that I can just enjoy the silence or watch the TV or read the paper or something? 
And so when I ask men, I say, men, why is your wife talking to you? You know what they tell me? I mean, almost without exception. <clears throat> what does she want? And they say, she wants me to listen to her. And I said, wrong. She wants to engage with you. She wants to talk with you. She wants you to talk back. And you know what? If you don't eventually talk back, she knows how to get you to talk back. She makes you mad. And then you will talk. You will talk then. You see, men do not understand this. They should learn this over a period of time. But they don't understand that. Ladies, understand, this is what the man doesn't know. He doesn't know how to work with that. He doesn't know how to deal with that. <clears throat> so, let me ask you a question, guys. You that are married. How did you win your wife's heart? You may not, you may not even know the answer to that. How did you win your wife's, your wife's heart? You talked with her. You talked with her. You told her about your aspirations. You told her about all kinds of things. And you had a conversation with her. And then the last two words you said to her were, I do. And you quit talking about that point the moment you got married. And so that husbands and wives are settling for less than they should, they, than they could have. Less than they could have had. <clears throat> the Bible, I'm going to tell you up front, puts the burden on the husband here. So let me give you a little bit more for your understanding. A wife needs to feel secure in the marriage and in life. You need to recognize that up front. That means her husband has a responsibility to make her secure. That's both that's physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This means he has the responsibility to make sure that she is secure in their finances. There need to be the reassurances that, that measures have been taken to adequately take care of her. Even after you're gone, you need to think about that. There's insurance policies and retirement plans. And the husband must never go out and just frivolously spend all the money so that you're in debt and you cannot repay because that puts the wife in a very unstable situation. It's unstable for both of them, in fact. In other words, what I'm saying to you guys is this. <clears throat> Don't go out and buy a new boat when her car will barely make it to work. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't put her in that kind of situation. But she also, she needs to feel secure emotionally as well. That means you cannot ignore her. You know, you cannot put another human person before her. That means you must spend time with her. That means you need to take the time to spend the time. You understand what I'm saying to you? You got to take the time to spend the time with her. And then <clears throat> she needs to feel secure spiritually. And that means that you need to speak about spiritual things with her. You must have those discussions that are spiritual. You must know spiritually where your wife is. And you need to help her along with those things. And let me tell you, folks, men especially, I'll tell you this. If you are going to be united one physically, emotionally, and spiritually with her, it's going to take work. Don't think that it's going to be, oh, I'll just do this and it's going to come natural. It's not. Then it also says here in this very scripture, <clears throat> the husband will honor his wife. 
You know, the only reason I believe that it says that the husband is a weaker vessel is because of her physical strength. That's all that is there. I, I remember when my, um, I was dating my, my wife, and uh, she told some of her friends that I had muscles. You know, I felt so, you know, I, I really didn't know she was talking about between my ears, but anyway, that was the deal. But, you know, my wife, I want to tell you up front, is smarter than me, more intuitive. She's even more spiritually sensitive than I am. And you know what that means for me? I got to work a whole lot harder. That's what it really means to me. She's not necessarily weaker in any way other than in her physical life. And the amazing thing about that is that she's probably going to outlive me anyway. <clears throat> that doesn't make sense. This word honor is, is it, he is to esteem her. Give her value is what he needs to do. Esteem her and give her value. Proverbs 31.10 says, An excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels. You know, too many times I have husbands that do lose their wives, you know, to death. And this is, the, this is a, how they have it. They have this scripture read. You know what the problem with that is? It's not because it's a problem. The problem is, is that they never told them while they were alive. You know, I don't think anybody should be able to get up at a funeral service and say something about the individual that they didn't tell them while they were alive. They need to be able to get up and say that. And so I would say to you husbands, can you give your wife an honest compliment? Can you tell you of the value that she has to you? Can you treat her as the most valuable person in your life? I say that most husbands will say to their wives when they say, oh, well, I've got to tell them something, you know, this compliment. I'll tell them they're pretty. There's nothing wrong with telling them they're pretty. But why do you appreciate her? You know, and, and can you do this without trying to be funny sometimes? You know what I'm saying? Being serious and actually say, I appreciate you because this. I mean, I got this from another guy. I didn't get it myself, but on Valentine's. I take a Valentine's card. I take the left side of the card, you know, that's blank. And I've determined that I'm going to write all the things that I appreciate my wife for on the left. Then I go and I, put, I tape it to her. I've done this before. I don't do this every Valentine. But I, I tape it to her steering wheel on her car. So she gets it and cries all the way to work that day. <laughs> but that's the thing. You know, maybe, husbands, I mean, I understand I'm going back. Maybe you're following your, your father's example. Maybe you ever heard your dad give your mother a compliment. Let me say this. Break the trend. Break the trend. Chris Rock. You know Chris Rock. You know the guy that got slapped at the Academy Awards. Yeah, that Chris Rock. Chris Rock said this. He says, there are only three things a woman need in life. Food, water, and compliments. You know, the problem is, is he's divorced now. <laughs> but the truth is, they need that. A Christian husband should treat his wife as an equal before the Lord. You know, that shouldn't be a problem, but it is. Women in the ancient world were not treated as equals. Men in any way, they had no rights. And some of that has continued in today. It hasn't been so long ago that women could not get a mortgage without a male uh, cosigner. I don't know if you, it, that was just in the 70s, by the way. It wasn't so long ago that women couldn't vote. It wasn't so long ago, and maybe it still is, that women are expected to take less salary from the man than he's doing the exact same job. 
I got a couple of uh, ads that I, I found from time. I love this one. So the harder a wife works, the cuter she looks. Oh, wow. Do you think that would make it today? How about that? You know, how about this one? Show her it's a man's world. I mean, she's on her knees there. I mean, you, you got to realize that. I mean, that's, that's, that's beyond anything. And the, and, the, and the last one here, the chef does everything but cook. That's what wives are for. Oh, man. Today we know better than that, maybe. Do we? Do we really? I think there's some that want us to go back to that. Christianity elevated women to an equal status, not to a substandard status. Galatians 3.28 says that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Who can ignore that women were raised to an equal status? Phoebe, 16th chapter Romans. Phoebe was a deaconess who delivered and explained the book of Romans to the Romans. Took it to them. Priscilla corrected Apollo's preaching. Junia was considered one of the apostles herself. You look at that, that's scripture, folks. There it is. And they, they brought women equal with men, not over them. So women do not have a second-class status in Christianity. But what about the times it's in the scripture that the women are to learn from their husbands? Well, in that culture, which was strongly male-dominated, this teaching of the scriptures went to whom? Went to the males at that time. And so it was a very practical statement. It was not one that condemned them in any way. If you treat your wife as equal, there are times that you will ask for her interpretation of the scripture. You'll say, what do you believe that this says right here? You'll consider what she said. You will respond and sometimes you'll object. Maybe you'll even add some things that are in there. And sometimes you'll be corrected because you'll be wrong sometimes as well. You will ask her to pray with you or ask you to pray for you and you will pray for her. Her salvation stands on her own decision to come to know Christ, just as yours does. She'll neither go to heaven nor hell because of where you're going. And you don't need to be, the, as I said before, you don't need to be one of those, her children that she drags to church. Understand, just as it said in the nights of the 21st century, the boy must die, the man must live. That's really what has to happen. And so you lift her up. When she is down and you accept her lifting you up when you are down, you should become a team. It says in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. See, the woman is created as a helper, not a servant of the man. Now I got this up from uh, Adam Clark. Adam Clark uh, wrote this commentary, 1810 to 1825. I want you to realize that. I got a few Hebrew words up there. Don't pay a whole lot of attention to them, but they're up there. And what the deal is, I copied this directly out of his commentary. Now here's the deal. In 1810 to 1825, he wasn't worried about what the denomination said. He was just saying, this is what the scripture says. And he said that this scripture means it is not good that the man should be alone, that is only himself. 
And I will make a help meet for him. He's going back to the King James, of course. It says, a help, a counterpart of himself. One form from him and a perfect resemblance of his person. If the word be rendered scrupulously, literally, it signifies one like or as himself, standing opposite to or before him. And this implies that the woman was to be a perfect resemblance of the man possessing neither inferiority nor superiority, but being in all things like and equal to himself. From 1810 to 1825 understand. He wasn't worried about what the denomination says. A Christian husband realizes, though it says in the scripture, a Christian husband realizes that his prayers will go unanswered if he does not treat his wife properly. Says that right in verse 7 there. The word translated unhindered means to have an obstacle in the way. It naturally impedes the progress. It blocks the way. See, the basic social structure God placed on the earth is the marriage relationship. And when the husband and wife are at odds and they will not pray together and they are not walking together with the Lord, they will hardly be able to go into the throne room of God to address their prayers. Thus, their prayers will be like trying to throw a brick into orbit. They can send them out, but they're going to fall right back down. Very subtly, this verse alludes to a husband and a wife's prayers. And what should they pray for each other? How how should they pray for uh, together? God's glory. What is that? They should pray for sustenance. They should pray for their, their needs. Just simply what they need. For their health. They should be praying for that and praying for the health of others and their children. You can understand that. And God's will. They pray for their church. They pray for other believers. They they pray for those that need, they seek to be saved. They need the Lord and they seek to be saved. They they pray for the the influence, the, the, the witness they may have, the discipleship that they can have together. And protection from temptation. What would happen if marriages were united like that? What would happen if there was prayers that went like that? And they would use that list and simply went down that list and said, hey, we're praying for sustenance. We're thanking God for what he's given us, how we're eating today and what's going on in our house and our needs. I need a new car. I need something else or whatever it might be in our health. And, and it went on that reason. People wonder why their prayers go unanswered. I'm going to be preaching that the first week of January. But so there are many reasons, but this is one of them. It tells us that God is so concerned for the relationships between husband and wives that he refuses to listen to those who won't act appropriately. It's that strong in what is being said here. Prayer is agreeing with God. And with, when there are people that are at odds with each other, with their wives and their husbands, they're not in agreement with God. You know, I've, lately I've, I've been reading about this on the internet. That there are people that are missing their flights because they, they're wearing headphones. You know, they're out to the airport and they're going to miss it. And, and what they're doing, they're wearing the headphones. And say so they don't hear when they have a gate change. When they have, they're supposed to go out another gate. So they continue to sit there at that gate. And meanwhile, maybe three or four gates down, their flight leaves without them. And they just sit there and they sit there. They checked in. They got their bags on that plane. But they're not on that plane themselves. And what I see here is, it says, while we are disobedient to God, 
We cannot hear what God is saying to us. And, and, and God can't change our prayers if we don't listen. You see, prayer is agreeing with God. And what happens is you pray, you continue to pray. You'll find that, that, that your prayers will continue to be changed as you go along. They're changed because you're getting in agreement with God. You're listening to him and he's telling you, you know, this is, this is what needs to happen. And you go, okay, God, and you continue to pray. But if you're not getting that, there's a gate change and you're not there. You're not praying the right thing anymore. And you're wondering, my prayers didn't get answered. No, you weren't praying the right thing in the first place. You were not agreeing with God. Let me tell you something, folks. I have a calling. My calling is from God. My calling is to make disciples. I'll tell you that up front. But when I got married, I got another calling. And this is what I'm trying to do. I don't know that I'll make it, but I'm trying to do that because I cannot predict it. I'm trying to take care of myself so that when my wife gets older and infirm, I can take care of her. That's not the way most men are living. But I would say, do that. You see, I want to make her secure in every way. Hear this, folks. My wife's worth it. I bet yours is too. So give me a short prayer before Darlene comes up here.